Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Tis the, a festive time of the year, isn't it? And I see some beautiful sweaters and ties out there, and uh, uh, it is a great time to be a Christian. It's great to have you here in our church today uh, as we celebrate this second Sunday of Advent, and we, uh, we welcome our guests, especially today. And we're glad that you're here and uh, hope that your worship with us will be meaningful to you. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets, if you would. We would, we would uh, like for you to fill those out, if you wouldn't mind, and uh, put your name and address, phone number, and especially if you'd like to receive our email, our email newsletter each week. It's a great opportunity to uh, uh, keep up with what's going on here at Community Baptist Church, and we have a lot going on. It is a busy week my friends, and so buckle your seatbelts, here we come. Uh, I'm going to let you know about some of the activities that we have going on. First of all, immediately after our worship service today, our children are sponsoring a soup and salad uh, lunch a, a fundraiser and then a pie auction as a part of that as well. That's right after our worship service and hope you can uh, stop, uh, stay and be a part of that, uh, that fun time. This afternoon at 4 o'clock, the Alice P. Taylor Christmas Program will be at um, St. Paul's Episcopal Church, and hope you can come and, and share in that as well. It's a very meaningful program. Then tomorrow, uh, the Women's Mission Group will be having their annual Christmas dinner and auction, and that will be at the home of Jerry Wagner. And uh, and some of the guys are, are going to... Uh, have a, a night out as well, going to a movie or something. So if you'd like to join with that, we can, we can certainly plug you in there. We will not have any services this Wednesday. And the reason why is we're going to be redoing the floor here in the church. And so we need several days to strip it and to 
polish it and get it all set. So there will be no programs on Wednesday. But uh, we do need uh, some goodies to deliver to our shut-ins next Saturday. And uh, if you could have those here by 9 o'clock on Saturday morning, and if you can help to deliver them on Saturday, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. And then next Sunday, uh, we will be having our Christmas service here at church where we will be decorating our Christmas tree with uh, ancient symbols of Christ. And, uh, and then after that, immediately after that, we'll be having an open house fellowship here sponsored by our deacons. Whew, man, what a week. I am tired already, but uh, it's, it's going to be a very good week, and we're grateful for this, this opportunity to share this time of fellowship and worship with you. One more thing. Thank you, Larry McDowell. We have a stage here. And look here. And, Ro- and, and, and Roger helped. Where's Roger? Roger? Roger helped out with this, too. Thank you very much. I feel very secure up here for the first time in a long time. Uh, there, there have been many times when I felt like I was just kind of rocking up here. But we have a new stage, thanks to Larry and, and Roger. So thank you for looking out for my safety. Uh, let us stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord and share the love of Christ with one another.
As it says in your uh, worship folder that Felicia is going to do our special today, and she's our new choir leader. She's under the weather. But our own Rick Cox is going to do our special for us today. He stepped up at the last moment, and we appreciate that, Rick. Oh, shucks. (laughs) (laughs) But if you would, stand and join and sing with me the song of Gathering, I've Got Peace Like a River, number 418. For me, anyhow. Good morning. Christmas is coming. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you counting down? Have you got the tree up? Food and presents bought? Cards sent? Are you prepared for the time that you will spend with family, friends, or colleagues? And what about all those anointing Christmas advertisements that you have already seen too many times? Are you prepared? Are we prepared to invite in those who are lonely or sick or troubled? Are we prepared to reach out to a broken world? Are we prepared to bring Christ's love? Christ is coming. As we prepare for our Christmas celebrations, we light the second candle as a sign that we are prepared to be the light of Christ, bringing his healing presence to a needy world. Thank you. 
on down, children. <coughs> That's a good-looking tie you have on. <laughs> okay, so today, is, what we're going to talk about today is joy. Now, joy is something that, who told us about joy? Do you, do you know of any care, anybody in the Bible that told us about joy? It happens this time of year. Have you heard it? Do you remember what the angel said? I'm bringing you joy. I'm bringing you joy. So I have this game that we're, or this, that we're going to play. This balloon is our happy balloon. And this balloon is our joy balloon. Because we're going to try to determine the difference between happy and joy. So I'll show you, give you a little example. All right, so this morning, on my drive to church this morning, I hit every green light. The joy is that had I had a red light, my brakes worked. So I would have been able to stop. Happy is that 40 years ago, Mark gave me a ring. The joy is the time we spent together. It, it. <laughs> All right. Happy have been the three children that we've had. Joy is what they've given to us for all their lives. Thank you. So, happy could be, oh, got a good grade on that test. Joy is the education that I retain that is mine. Now, you come first. You tell me something you're happy for and pop the balloon up. What are you happy? What makes you happy? Okay. Pop that up. All right. Now, what what brings you joy at Christmas? What can you remember from last year at Christmas? You got to spend time with your family? Good. Good. All right. Friends and family. All right. All right. Tell me what makes you happy. Your grades? All right, pop pop it up. What joy do you get out of your grades? All right, all right, that'll work. Okay, come here. What makes you happy? Presents under the Christmas tree? Do you have all the presents you ever got under the tree? What brings you the joy from that? You play with them? All right. Good. All right, come here. Well, tell me. Tell me something that makes you happy. Here's what, here's what ha- makes you happy. Reading books. Here is what really brings you joy is that the library is named after you at South Heights. Right? All right, there. Okay, you come here and do one. Oh, I dropped that earlier today. Tell me something makes you happy. Christmas food. All right, bounce it up. All right. What else? What, 
what makes you happy about Christmas food? The joy. You get joy from the taste good? You know, I was thinking about that, too. Uh, we, we used to uh, go to my Aunt Sarah's in the country for Thanksgiving, and they had, uh, she had real cows, so we had real whipped cream. And I loved the whipped cream. It always made me feel good. But the joy I got from it was the memory of it. And see, and that's what's coming to us is the joy that is from God that lasts forever. And our happiness is just for a moment. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy that you brought to us at Christmas that lasts us throughout our lifetime. May we share your joy with those we see every day. Amen. Father, as we gather today collectively, we uh, humble ourselves and are reminded that in in a manger so small gave us joy, gave us hope, and gave us courage to tell and the desire to tell the world of this love that is in the manger. We give with our heart, we give with our talents, and we give with our abilities back 
to you just a portion of what we've all, each one of us, have been so richly blessed. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Today's scripture will be coming from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 10. Jesse's family is like a tree that has been cut down. A new little tree will grow from its stump. From its roots, a branch will grow and produce fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on that branch. He will help him to be wise and understanding. He will help him make wise plans and carry them out. He will help him know the Lord and have respect for him. The branch will take delight in respecting the Lord. He will not judge things only by the way they look. He won't make decisions based simply on what people say. He will always do what is right when he judges those who are in need. He will be completely fair when we make decisions about poor people. When he commands that people be punished, it will happen. When he orders that evil people be put to death, it will take place. He will put, goodness, he will put godliness on as if it were his belt. He'll wear faithfulness around his waist. Wolves will live with lambs. Leopards will lie down with goats. Calves and lions will eat together. And little children will lead them around. Cows will eat with the bears. Their little ones will lie down together, and lions will eat straw like oxen. A baby will play near a hole where cobras live. A young child will put his hands into a nest where poisonous snakes live. 
None of these animals will harm or destroy anything or anyone on my holy mountain of Zion. The oceans are full of water, and the same way the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. At that time, the man who is called the root from Jesse's family will line, family line will be like a banner that brings nations together. They will come to him, and the place where he rules will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. As I wander out under the sky, how Jesus the Savior did come forth to die. For poor only people like you and like I, I wander as I wander out under the sky. When Mary birthed Jesus, twas in a cow with wise men and farmers and shepherds and but high from the heavens a starlight did fall, and the promise of ages it then did recall. If Jesus had wanted for any A star in the sky or a bird on the wing, or all of God's angels in heaven for to sing, he surely could have I wander as I wander out under the sky, how Jesus the Savior did come forth to die, for poor only people like you and like I, I as I wander out under the sky. Amen. 
How nice. Thank you, Rick. If you liked that, you can get uh, another portion of that because Rick is singing at the Alice P. Taylor program this afternoon, so you can hear him again today. There are um, two basic attitudes towards life, um, one of hope and one of dread, Uh, one of trust and the other of fear, one of optimism and one of gloom. I heard about a misprint that uh, that took place in a local newspaper a while back about the, the weather forecast, which read like this. There's a 5% chance of today and tomorrow. Well, I certainly hope that the odds are a little bit better than that. In a, a frank and earnest cartoon, Frank was rousing from his sleep when he looked out at the sun coming up, and he says, well, the sun is rising in the east. So far, so good. Some people simply live with a deep sense of dread in their lives. And for some people, that's a physical issue based on their brain chemistry, while others just have a personality that is prone to doom. The great uh, Italian writer Luigi Pirandelli Pirandello uh, once told a story about a man that was filled with so much dread in his life that it drove him mad. Uh, When he fell in love with the woman of his dreams, he pretended that he didn't care about her because he was afraid that if he gave in to his feelings of love that he would lose her. And he kept up this display of disinterest so long that he almost did lose her. And then when he finally asked her to marry him, And she accepted. He nearly went crazy planning the honeymoon. He told everybody that he would be going to, that they would be going to Florence and Venice. But instead, he took his bride to Naples, which was in the opposite direction. This way, he felt that he could trick the misery that he knew would be waiting for him in Florence and in Venice. And that was the only way that he could enjoy his honeymoon in in Naples. There are some people who live with such a a feeling of dread about their lives that they find it almost impossible to find any joy at all. Even when life has been good to them, they just know that it can't last. Somewhere, sometime, somehow they think something out there is going to happen that will wreck their best laid plans, that will frustrate their fondest dreams that will crush everything that they hold dear. That is one attitude towards life. Fortunately, that was not the attitude of the Apostle Paul. You see, Paul knew that we live in a very difficult world. In fact, Paul had experienced more than his share of of heartaches and, and, uh, and sorrow in his life. But Paul also knew something good. He knew that somewhere, sometime, somehow, something good was out there waiting for him, and he knew that tomorrow would be a better day than today. And so no matter how hard life was treating him today, he had hope for tomorrow. He believed that lasting joy and peace were not only possibilities for his life, but he believed that they would someday be a permanent reality in his life. 
And that's why he wrote these beautiful words in the book of Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of God's Holy Spirit. My friends, this is the season of the year when we celebrate the God of hope. The mood of Advent is a mood of joyful anticipation. And if you think about it, it infects all of our society. Consider the life of Ebenezer Scrooge, for example. Almost all of his adult life was spent in miserly joylessness. His fear of sharing even a penny more than he had to gave him the well-earned reputation of being a crusty old curmudgeon. He found it almost impossible to experience love in his life and never did a kind word pass his lips. But then with much effort involving his dead partner and the spirits of Christmas past and present and future, this unhappy Scrooge finally learned that the season of Christmas is a, is a season of joy and hope. And it turned his life around. Suddenly the joyless Ebenezer was shouting, Merry Christmas to everyone he saw. Suddenly the miserly curmudgeon was purchasing the largest goose in town to give to his impoverished employee for Christmas dinner. Suddenly the man who knew no love was reconnecting with his family. It seems that the joy of this season of the year was intruding even into this cynical negativity that was Ebenezer Scrooge. It's contagious, folks. I hope you catch it. My friends, all of the bells and the lights and the sights and the sounds of this special time of the year Speak to us about hope. God is alive. Love and peace and goodwill really are possibilities. So you see, it's far more than just a 5% chance of today and tomorrow. There's a lot better in store for us than that. Because a baby was born 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem. And with his birth, Hope came into our world. Not just hope for good weather. Not just hope that our sports team will win. But a kind of hope that's unquenchable and eternal. There's a beautiful story back from the book of Genesis about Abraham. He was still called Abram at this time. And he was complaining to God that he had no heir to take over his household someday. And that was a very important issue for folks in, that, in those days. For Abram, his legacy was hopeless. He had no one to pass on his, his name to in his, his life. And so God brought Abram out into the clear night. And he said to him, Abram, look up into the heavens. And count the stars if you are able to. And then he said, so shall your descendants be. So many. And folks, I believe that that is the call that God always gives to us in our times of doubt and despair. Look at the heavens. Count the stars. 
If God can bring hope, the hope of having a, a child to an old and barren couple like Abram and Sarai, then imagine the hope that God can bring to you. Look to the heavens. Count the stars. Now, during Advent, of course, we only need to look for one star, a star that shines much brighter than all the rest, the star of Christmas, always the world's greatest symbol of hope. May the God of hope, writes Paul, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Advent is, first of all, hope for the world. H.G. Wells once wrote a, a story titled, In the Days of the Comet. It's a pretty typical science fiction fantasy, and apparently in this story, the, there's some mysterious green vapor that descended upon the face of the earth, and the vapor had the immediate effect of putting all of the earth's population into a deep sleep for three days. And then when everyone finally woke up, something amazing happened. Their inner nature had been totally transformed. Petty quarreling became an, uh, uh, came to an end. Instead of seeking fame and power and wealth, the people of the world sought ways to serve one another. Love and kindness and generosity became more important than greed and success. In short, the, a perfect society emerged. A society in which the dignity of every human being was valued and honored. Sounds kind of like the kingdom of God, doesn't it? Sounds like the kingdom that Jesus came to proclaim. It sounds like the vision that Isaiah had of a world under the influence of a Messiah, Christ. Isaiah looked forward to that day when the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and, and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. Now, I don't think that Isaiah was anticipating green vapor descending upon the face of the earth. But what he was prophesying about was a shoot that would come from the stump of Jesse. This was Isaiah's way of saying that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David and would establish a new world order. And he would bring into being a new kingdom of love, a kingdom in which love was more important than power. And service was more important than domination. John the Baptist saw himself as the herald of this Messiah, the one whose job it was to prepare the way for the Messiah. But the concern of the prophets was not only a concern of personal salvation, but the salvation of all of Israel, and through Israel, the salvation of the world. I mean, it's... What good would it be if we save the individual but leave that person in a world that tramples upon dignity and crushes aspirations? We need to affirm that when the Messiah came into the world, he brought with him a seed of a new kingdom 
And it is a kingdom that is still alive and still at work today, wherever the name of Jesus is proclaimed by the lives of his followers. It's a kingdom that dispelled, has dispelled darkness and ignorance and exploitation and human slavery everywhere that the good news is proclaimed. And listen to this, folks. No tyrant can forever suppress this kingdom. And no evil can forever resist it. John even proclaimed that the very gates of hell itself cannot prevail against the kingdom which came into this world when, the, when Jesus was born. So it's no wonder that we have these joyful expressions at this time of the year. It's no wonder that the angels sang in the heavens. It's no wonder that the wise men bowed in adoration before the child. Philip Brooks was right when he wrote those beautiful words about the events that took place in that little town of Bethlehem. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. So you see, Advent is hope, first of all, for the world. Hope that God's kingdom really will prevail. But Advent is also hope for us as individuals. In London during World War II, Hitler's blitzkrieg was bombing that great city almost every night. And in order to safeguard their children, trainloads of children were, were evacuated from the city and sent out into the countryside. Someone asked one young lad, where are you going? And he thought about it a moment and said, I don't know, but the king knows. You know what? We're kind of like kind of in that similar situation because we don't know what the future may hold in our lives but the king knows the one who we sing about the one who we call king of kings and lord of lords this is the season when we are reminded that this is god's world and god is still at work in this world and even though we may be surrounded by darkness we are told that there is a light shining in that darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. That's great news. I hope that brings you hope today. Even the prospect of death cannot, cannot dispel a, a Christian sense of hope and anticipation. You know, I've done a lot of funerals in my life, and, and so many of them have been, not, you know, they're sad, because we've, we've lost someone that we love, but so many have also been joyful because we, have, we are placing the, in the hands of God someone that we know is in a good place. Damon Runyon once wrote a story about a man called Doc Brackett. <clears throat> Doc was a beloved old physician whose office was always open to the poor and the needy. He would get up in the middle of the night, the coldest night of the year. He'd drive 20 miles. He'd ride 20 miles to doctor a a sick woman or child or to to patch up some fellow who had had injured himself. Everybody in town knew where Doc Brackett's office was located. It was right above the rice clothing store. It was up a narrow flight of stairs on the side of the building. And at the bottom of the stairs... There was a sign that read, 
Dr. Brackett, office upstairs. Well, Doc never got married. The day he was supposed to get married, he got a call to go out into the country to take care of a little Mexican child. And his bride-to-be got so angry at that that she canceled the whole thing, and he never got married after that. But the parents of that Mexican child were so grateful when their child recovered. For 40 years, the lame and the sick and the blind of that town would climb up those stairs and down those stairs to Doc Doc Brackett's office and back. And, And he never turned anyone away, regardless of their ability to pay. Well, Doc lived to be 70 years old, and, and then one day he just keeled over on his sofa and died. He had one of the largest funerals that town had ever seen. Everybody came. And the townspeople wanted to put up a nice tombstone for the grave, but they couldn't agree on what should be engraved on that tombstone. And the matter just kind of dragged on and on and for quite a while, and, and nothing happened. And then one day someone was walking by his his grave and they noticed that there was already a proper epitaph above Doc Brackett's grave. Because you see, it it, it seems that the parents of that Mexican child that the the Doc had, had saved many years before, they had worried about him not having a proper tombstone, but they didn't have any money to buy him a marker. And so they simply took the sign from the foot of the stairs at Doc Brackett's office and stuck it over his grave. And now he had a fitting epitaph that read, Dr. Brackett, office upstairs. During this season of the year, I think it's fitting that we pay homage to the Dr. Brackett's of the world and, and declare that not only has this world been made a better place for their efforts, but now they reside in a better place as well. My friends, do you see that we worship the God of hope? To some degree, we can choose the attitude with which we confront life. We can believe that there is a 5% chance of today and tomorrow. Or we can believe the good news of Christmas, that God is alive and well, and well. That God is at work in our world, bringing about a kingdom of love and justice and freedom. It's happening, folks. We can face the future with fear and foreboding, or we can trust in the God who has sustained us all throughout our lives and has promised us that God will never, ever forget us nor forsake us, regardless of what our situation may be. We can choose to live in in continued darkness, or we can step out into that light of hope that God has given to us the triumph, the eternal victory that God offers us. And we can live for ourselves alone, or we can live to make this world a better place for everyone. Doesn't the good news of Advent and Christmas just just change your attitude about life? Doesn't it make you anticipate that sometime, somewhere, somehow, Something good 
not evil, is out there waiting to happen in your life. That's the kind of change that takes place when the Christ child is born in our hearts. So my prayer for each of you today is this. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing. Number 410, It is well with my soul. And I hope that this expresses the truth of your life, that it is well with your soul, because we live in hope. the God of steadfast love and encouragement enable you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you go forth from here with hope for God's coming kingdom of love and peace. And may this hope bring joy to your every waking hour. Amen. Thank you.